BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The tap is finally open. To be honest, it's almost surreal. As a fresh source of water surges into Waukesha. No matter what we did, we had to find a new water source. But the transition comes with some adjustments. There is a high chance that this can have a deadly impact on your fish. And environmental concerns. We definitely are going to play a watchdog role. As one of America's Great Lakes begins flowing beyond the basin. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm your host, Brian Polson, and I'm joined, as always, by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi. And we are joined this week over Zoom by Fox 6's resident Waukesha beat reporter, Brett Lemoyne. Hey, Brett, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, happy to be here. So we are recording this episode on Wednesday, October 18th for release on Thursday, October 19th. And it's been a little more than a week since the city of Waukesha officially made a historic switch in the source of its drinking water from underground wells to water piped in from Lake Michigan. Brett, this is the culmination of, and I'm not exaggerating here, literally decades of environmental testing, court battles, political maneuvering, expensive engineering. As a resident of Waukesha, can you put into words how big of a deal this is? Well, uh, let me first disclose that I am almost 41 years old, <laughs> okay? And for more than half of my life, this has been something that has been talked about in this community. It's really a seismic change that impacts 72,000 people in the city of Waukesha. And when you think about how important your drinking water is and how often you use water uh, from your tap, from your faucet, from your bath, from your garden, for whatever, uh, it really is a huge, huge change. So let's talk about how how we kind of got here. So we know that Waukesha is now tapping into Lake Michigan to get its water, but but why? Great question. And we're going to go back in time <laughs> to the 1800s <laughs> uh, because it really <laughs> it really is uh, you know part of of Waukesha's history is its water. Uh, Waukesha was put on the map because of its spring water. Right, people came to this community. Uh, because of the quote-unquote healing powers of Waukesha's spring water. Uh, and so over the years, that water supply was depleted. Uh, you know, there's only so far down you can keep digging until, uh, you know, there's there's no water left. And unfortunately, uh, the further down you go, the more radium you're finding in the water supply. And that was really the crux of this issue, uh, is that there was a, an abundance of radium in the water. Now, the, the city says it never exceeded EPA uh, limits and it was still safe to drink. However, the city was under a court order to find a new water supply. And that really set off, uh, as you said, a decades long search to find a solution. Well, I think it's so interesting what you said about the, the city says the, ra the radium levels were still low enough that they were not exceeding these EPA uh, standards. Um, it, 
I find the city's history with this so fascinating because for a long period of time, they were fighting the idea that they needed to find a different water source. And then at a certain point, especially when the court order came by, they had to switch that flip or flip that switch and say, actually, we need to go out and find another source of water. And now we need to convince a whole other group of people and eight states that we need to do this. Um, and, and here's why it's so important. So they really had to kind of shift their approach in this, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the plans, and I will not say by any means that I'm an expert on the history of this because it it, it is so huge and so cumbersome. But uh, yeah, in a nutshell, uh, there had been a number of ideas that had been thrown on the table. Uh, and this was really kind of the only option that, uh, you know, made sense, uh, not only from a financial standpoint, but from a logistical standpoint. And as you kind of hinted at, uh, it was a historic decision, too, because uh, there aren't any other communities that have done what Waukesha has done. Uh, in order to get Lake Michigan water, they had to go to every governor and every state that surrounds the Great Lakes, including two uh, Canadian provinces, and get their permission to do this. Uh, this was not an easy task by any means. I think the final analysis um, for Waukesha's water supply uh, issues here was done in 2002. Um, and it wasn't until 2016 that all of these groups, the Great Lake Compact, as it were, uh, uh, signed off on this project. So uh, one thing I want to jump in on, it, you, you said it was 2002. Uh, and I'm sorry, what was it that happened in 2002? 2002 was when um, the, the the first analysis of the potential water supply okay. option was. So so that happened in 20, or 2002. I was doing some research on this yesterday and didn't realize, but the Great Lakes St. Lawrence River Basin Compact mm -hmm. didn't actually come about until 2005 and wasn't signed into federal law until 2008. So actually this problem even predates the Great Lakes Compact, which was designed to protect the Great Lakes, to protect the waters in the basin of the Great Lakes. Obviously, there's some real concern about this is the greatest freshwater resource possibly in the world. And there's a lot of places we know all over the country that go, we are starved for water. If we could find a way to get that water, they'd love to come in. So, so there's this sort of idea that we want to protect that resource. Waukesha, you said, made history. It's not the first community to divert Lake Michigan water. It's the first one that sits entirely outside the Great Lakes Basin. Mm -hmm. There are some communities that straddle the basin that have gotten the water. Waukesha's completely outside. So this was not an easy thing politically, I'm guessing, to get all these places to agree to. Uh, no, it wasn't. And we should say also, Brian, first and only so far. Uh, there's been no other community mm -hmm. that's done uh, what Waukesha has. Um, but when you think about it, yeah, there are just a million people in just our viewing area now that drink Lake Michigan water, I, I heard an estimate and I don't know the exact number, but there are many, many more millions of people, um, you know, surrounding the Great Lakes that are utilizing this for, for drinking water. So obviously these communities wanna be very selective and you have to make a pretty strong pitch uh, in order to get this exemption. In fact, Waukesha had to submit 3000 pages of documents uh, as part of their review process of this whole uh, procedure. So obviously they're all in. One of the big questions that people ask is, well, who's going to pay for this? Clearly it's a it's a large project, $286 million. Um, who Who is paying for it? 
Well, the taxpayer <laughs> is going to foot the bill for, for a big chunk of it. This is the largest infrastructure project in the history of this city um, in terms of scope, in terms of size, in terms of dollar amount. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the taxpayer is going to end up feeling uh, a, a little bit of a pinch here because our water bills alone are set to triple over just the next couple of years. So it, it is a pretty significant impact for all of the people, all of the businesses that utilize uh, drinking water here in the city. Were residents, are, are they like super excited about this? I mean, did they understand what the consequences would have been had they not done this project? Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you look at it just in terms of long-term history, um, you know, a lot of people in Waukesha have been very familiar with the ongoings of this. This is something that is now, you know, across several generations of people living in, in this community. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think most people realize, you know, we, we got to get on board here. And uh, and thankfully, our neighbors in Milwaukee and Milwaukee County um, were also on board uh, with this at, at, at the end, at least. Um, and and so, yeah, I think I think everybody was uh, was aware that this, something had to be done. Without getting into the nitty gritty details of it, I believe Milwaukee actually benefits from this, right? Because they're getting paid for some of these rights for this water to come through Milwaukee and into Waukesha. Yeah, exactly. So there is um, there is like a, a pump and I'm, again, not uh, an expert on the ins and outs of, of the uh, the logistics here. But uh, I believe there is a, a pumping station that is in Milwaukee that Waukesha built um, that is essentially um, you know, leased on on public land in Milwaukee that Waukesha had to pay for um, and will continue to pay for. I think there's there's a hundred year contract or something like that uh, that the city has has entered into with with Milwaukee County. So, yeah. And, you know, essentially, you know, uh, Milwaukee plays a big part in this because they're um, more or less they're they're selling us the water um, as as part of uh, this project. So you've been reporting on this for a long time, months, um, not not as long as this project has been in in the works. You, you have to, by the way, <laughs> you have a great anecdote about this, about how long you've been reporting on this that you were telling me as we were talking about this. Right, Brett? My son is three years old and uh, he likes to pretend to to be reporter. So he grabs a notebook <laughs> yeah. and he sits at a desk. And I say, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm working on a story about Lake Michigan water. <laughs> oh, I love that's that. Fantastic. Oh, that's so good. Okay, great podcast, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so you've been reporting on this a long time. So and we talked about the, the documentation that they needed to provide and the money and all that stuff. Were there other roadblocks or anything else that would have kind of come in the way of the transition of moving this water? Yeah, well, I mean, there was a roadblock uh, just in, I think it was in January or late December of, of um, the end of last year and the beginning of this year, where uh, there was an issue with that land in Milwaukee County that Waukesha needed for this project. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, cost, I think, a little bit more than Waukesha was expecting to pay for it, uh, but certainly benefited Milwaukee County in that regard. Um so, yeah, I mean, there there were some hurdles here and there continued to be, um, especially as it pertains to the um, the the full the return flow of the water yeah. back yeah. to Milwaukee County and back ultimately into Lake Michigan. I want to talk about the experience that this that, that the city is having now that you've actually made the switch. But before we get to that, you talk about that return flow. One of the keys to the approval to getting the approval of all of these Great Lakes states and the two Canadian provinces was the agreement that since his water's being pumped outside the Great Lakes Basin, 
Waukesha's got to return it back to the Great Lakes Basin. So other than whatever sort of, I guess, evaporates or goes away through consumption, um, this water has to go back. How is Waukesha making sure that this water all ends up back in Lake Michigan? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, this is something that is in that contract. It's it's part of that agreement with the compact. It's part of the agreement with the DNR and the EPA and all the stakeholders involved. 100% of the water that's used needs to go back. Of course, as you mentioned, Brian, there are exceptions for the water that evaporates and the water that we consume and whatnot. But uh, more or less, everything that they take from the lake needs to go back. Now, Waukesha is contracted. They can, they can take up to 8 million gallons per day from Lake Michigan right now, the estimate is about 6 million gallons per day is what they're they're looking to take. Um, but that water needs to get treated. It needs to get treated here in Waukesha and then flows back out. Uh, there's a location in Franklin uh, where uh, there's a, a very discreet uh, pumping station that we visited last week. Uh, and the water at that location is then pumped into the root river uh, and then ultimately flows back into Lake Michigan. And there are people keeping an eye on that, right? Like to see, is this water that's going back, is it contaminated? Are there problems? Like what, what's going back into the river system that obviously a lot of people rely on for another variety of reasons? Yeah, first and foremost, Waukesha says they are committed to monitoring the water in the Root River. Uh, they've partnered with a couple of um, third-party entities, um, some, some universities and some other groups, uh, to monitor the quality of the water in the Root River for at least the next decade. I would imagine that will continue beyond that, but they're committed right now for at least the next decade. Uh, but there are other groups, Brian and Sarah, that have come forward and said, you know what, we're going to just test and monitor this ourselves just in case. And we talked with Milwaukee Riverkeeper last week, and they were already taking samples uh, even just on day two of uh, this process once the, the, the button, as it were, was pushed on the project and the water started flowing. They were already out there taking samples. They're concerned about some of the uh, items that are not being filtered, that just can't be filtered out of the water um, for, for this project. And so they're, they're worried about, you know, things like pharmaceuticals, for example, hand sanitizers, things that maybe just um, are, are now foreign to uh, the Root River that have never been introduced in any capacity um, in that waterway. And so they want to just make sure that they're protecting uh, wildlife in that area. And then also the water then that everyone else drinks and then that we ultimately reconsume uh, as citizens out here in Waukesha. But, you know, you're you're drinking that water, too, in, in Milwaukee. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it really puts into perspective in terms of how massive the Great Lakes are and how many people are drinking out of it, um, why that needs to happen, why there needs to be uh, safeguards and monitoring taking place. I am an old lady and I feel like I am fascinated by all of this. I mean, I, I don't know, just the process and, and what it took and everything. So as I sit well, here and listen, really, I'm it, like, it comes back this down is to wild. Water. I mean, water right. is, you know, you, you heard the old saying, water is life. How yeah. much of our life depends yeah. on water? And like, it, you don't think about it. I, I, I mean, think some of that comes back too to the things you've been reporting on recently, Brett, right. about just all the different ways having different water is something people need to be prepared for because it's not going to be the same. Well, it's not Eat, the same, right? Water's not water, right? I mean, there are differences. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the taste and the smell, uh, at least the smell from the onset, um, were noticeably different. I mean, I noticed it myself as, as, a, as a citizen of, of this community. 
Um, there, there were a number of things that the city had said that people need to be prepared for. Uh, one was that kind of chlorine smell that um, was going to come um, at least for this initial phase when the, the water started to flow, but other uh, issues too, in terms of the color, um, there was some concern that, you know, some of the sediment that was in the pipes uh, was, since it was being flushed, it was kind of like, you know, when a water main breaks in your neighborhood and they say, you know, run your pipes, you might see some some redness in the, in the water, that iron. Um, that was kind of what they were expecting here uh, throughout the city with this process. Now, I've heard very few people um, have any issues in terms of that, but there were secondary issues too that the city was making people aware of, namely uh, it, people that have fish. Um, the the water in um, the, the Lake Michigan water is being treated with chloramines, which is a combination of chlorine and ammonia. And we talked to uh, over the summer a guy that runs a um, uh, an aquatic um center in in downtown waukesha selling fish and and whatnot and he said yeah i mean this this could potentially be deadly to people who have pet fish uh in waukesha because essentially you're putting that ammonia that you're trying to get out of your fish tank back into the water if you don't treat it uh so that was a concern there was also a concern with people that are on uh, kidney dialysis because of the machines that uh, run with with water and whatnot. So there were a lot of things that uh, people were prepared for um, uh, ahead of time, but um, you know, luckily I have not heard of, of any um, significant issues since that, uh, since that button was pushed just last week. You know what really stood out to me in one of the stories you did was, I, I guess I wouldn't have thought of this, but for all these years Waukesha has been on this aquifer, this well water, um, you have issues with water hardness mm -hmm. and, and I have private well, so we have, you know, rust and, and hard water. You've got to have a water softener, softener yep. and I go through an awful lot of water softener Soft. salt. And, and you actually talked to a water softener, uh, a water softening company who said, yeah, we're probably going to lose business here, but also people who have these existing systems are going to need to make some changes, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that I just had to reach because I've, you know, as a, citizen were bombarded with letters and whatnot in the mail from places like Culligan Water or Soft Water Inc. Uh, those are two, uh, you know, places that provide um, water softening uh, tools for, for homeowners. And you're right. Yeah, they, I mean, they did say, yeah, we're probably going to lose business. They weren't exactly thrilled that the city is telling people that the water is going to be, uh, I think they say about 60% softer uh, than what uh, the the previous water supply was in Waukesha. I, I don't know why that people. surprised me so much, but but yeah. he, you're thinking it's coming out of Lake Michigan and they go, it's going to be way softer. Yeah. I guess I never thought right. it doesn't seem doesn't like that makes sense, yeah. but I guess compared to an aquifer, I suppose. I swear, and I don't know if, if both of you, if you live in, in Milwaukee, I mean, do you guys have water softeners? I do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, do not. because I'm on well water, uh, you know, yeah, yeah and I, you know, I, I honestly I, I need one of those iron curtains, too, because we've got rust that shows yeah. up and things. So, you know, yeah, it, it's definitely a concern. And, and I guess a private well is just a smaller version of a giant aquifer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there that's one thing um, that you had mentioned is that, you know, there's going to be a change, even if you do keep your water softener, you have to have it optimized. Uh, I think the date is maybe January of 2025. So you've, you've got uh, plenty of time to, to make these changes. But if you decide to keep your water softener, uh, you, you have to have it optimized because the, the amount of 
of hardness is going to be different and your your water softener is treating for what was previously uh, very hard water and now is by the city's estimation much softer and if i understand the city wants that optimization so that you're not unnecessarily treating and therefore discharging a bunch of extra mm -hmm. salt and other things into the the water supply is that right yeah that's exactly correct so the 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 button was pushed the flip the switch why, why did we both mix that yeah, up the, flip the switch, switch right, was yeah, flipped right. whatever um that was uh what a week and a half ago um where where are they at does everyone is all the water flowing i know that they have that really cool map <laughs> yeah which everybody in waukesha you know you'd, you'd be at the grocery store or whatnot people would ask <laughs> like where are you on the map are you, are you yeah um so it's it's coming um so i got my water um i think it was thursday so you know significantly into yeah. into the process but they were saying that it was going to take about five days or so to to get to uh to where i am in the city but uh the city just put out a notice just a a, a little while ago that the, the flushing of the cul-de-sacs and some of the dead ends that they were mm -hmm. uh you know concerned about taking a little bit longer should be done by this sunday so uh they are pretty much on track for what they had uh, had estimated um you know but the majority of the people now are on lake michigan water. is that like the, is that the number one topic of conversation in waukesha <laughs> now when you meet people like oh have you got your water yet oh we're gonna we're get ours tuesday is that kind of the, the the big conversation yeah i mean i think last week in particular it was something that a lot of people were talking about you know uh brian and sarah we were downtown waukesha on the day that this uh the switch was flipped or the button was pushed and um, there were a couple of businesses that even said, yeah, we're going to close today mm -hmm. um, on, on day one because we're not really sure what to expect. I talked to a coffee shop owner who said, you know, if, if there is going to be, um, you know, redness in the water, if there is going to be minerals that are going to be coming through iron and whatnot, um, they just don't want it to damage their, um, you know, espresso machines or whatever, yeah. uh, coffee machines, the filters that they have, because that's an expensive equipment that, uh, they don't want to have replaced and they don't want to make their customers ill. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it was a pretty significant deal, um, you know, not only for the, the decades that, uh, you know, we, we uh, preceded this, but uh, the, the fact that, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the impact was so large that, you know, wherever you went, really, um, there was either someone talking about it or some business that was closed because of it. One thing I wondered about is Waukesha, we said, is the first community completely outside the basin of the Great Lakes to get this water. It seems to be working. It solved a huge problem. Radium's no longer going to be an issue. Will this serve as a model for other communities that go, we want to try that same thing? Or are there limitations? I know Waukesha does have, while it's not in the basin, it's not straddling the basin, it is in a county that straddles the basin, which I think was the sort of legal in to do this. But is there a thought that there might be other communities looking at this? Or do you get the sense that the, the Great Lakes states say this is a one time thing and this is the only place that's ever going to do it? Yeah, I think I think for now, this is this is it. Um, I talked with um, uh, an individual with the Great Lakes Compact on Monday uh, when this all went down. And she told me that, yeah, I mean, Right now, there's no one else and no other municipality that has submitted anything um, near what Waukesha had. Uh, so I think for now, this is this is really an exception. Does this project and now the flip of the switch, does that solve the long term concerns of the water contamination? 
Yeah, um, most definitely. And, you know, the, the city is saying this is a generational uh, change and, and the infrastructure that's in place right now, um, you know, will outlast every single person that's watching this, uh, right? It'll, it'll be beyond our, our lifetimes uh, that this will all be in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was always a concern. I mean, I know what growing up, you know, we always had bottled water. Um, you know, we just didn't drink uh, the water in Waukesha, um, you know, not not because we thought it was going to, you know, harm us health wise, but it's just, you know, because you knew that there was there was radium in it, we just avoided it. Um, and, you know, so I think for a lot of people, especially if you got pets or kids, it was a big concern. Um, it's so funny because I was walking downtown um, on the day that this all happened last week, and I happened to see this, um, we'll say, mature lady uh, get out of her car, little silver-haired uh, lady. And I, I stopped, and I went right up to her, and I said, excuse me, are you Carol? And she looked at me, and she's like, yeah? She goes, who are you? And I said, I'm Brett with Fox 6. And I said, uh, you're Carol Lombardi, aren't you? And she said, yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, I said, you were the mayor of Waukesha when I was in high school. And I remember, I mean, you were really one of the the, the bell ringers here early on um, to to find a, a solution to this. And she stopped and we did a, a quick interview just on so the that fly. Was a yeah, I saw the interview, so did you I. just happened to bump oh, into there her she is. and recognize her? Wow. No, that was... That was not planned. And my the photographer I was working with that day was like, how did you even recognize her? And I was like, well, I just, you know, I got Waukesha brain here. But, <laughs> because you're the Waukesha um, water reporter. That's right. so, yeah, that's how you know. But you, she but, had, you know, she wasn't just, I mean, you know, mayor around the time. You She talked about having gone to D.C. Yeah. to fight for this, right? Yeah, she, she said she traveled with uh, Dan Dukniak, who's the uh, Waukesha Water Utility General Manager. Well, talk about somebody who's lived this. Yeah. Dan Dukniak. He's been yeah. talking about this forever. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so funny, too, because on the ceremony uh, in early September, when they, they kind of did a, a ribbon cutting, more or less, of the pumping station that this water is flowing through on um, at Broadway and Les Paul, uh, his family was there. And it was so uh, touching, really, because... He's got two grown sons and both of them, uh, you know, one, I think, was a newborn when this this whole process got started and the other was three. So their whole life yeah. right, been working on this project. And, uh, you know, one of them cried and it was it was it was actually so touching to me to, to look and to see, you know, Dan speaking there and to, ha to see his son. Um, sitting sitting in the audience and, and shedding a tear because it was emotional for them because, like I said, their, their whole life has been associated with dad going off and doing this project and getting uh, this water for Waukesha. And, and something that, as you said, is a generational change. It is something that really affects the future of mm -hmm. everyone in Waukesha for, for generations to come. So obviously just a, a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything, you know, I mean, obviously, there have been uh, tragedies, we can't, you know, not mention the, the Waukesha Christmas Parade tragedy, of course, uh, that have, you know, really united uh, this, this community in, in, in such a massive way. But this project, as you said, I mean, this project affects every single person that's living in this community. And uh, I mean, I can't think of anything to compare it to in my lifetime uh, or as my time as a as a resident of, of Waukesha. I mean, it really is unmatched. Who got to push the button? <laughs> That's what I want to <laughs> <Well>, know. 
It happened early in the morning on Monday, last last week Monday, and it was uh, the the mayor uh, Sean Riley and Dan Dukniak with the Waukesha Water Utility, and they both kind of hit that button, and then so the water cool. started. That, to, ma- to that makes sense. It would be the two of them. If Dan wasn't yeah. in there, I would think, man, what a Ooh. what a shame. Because yeah, he's up. Yeah. You but, did but, it without but, me. Mayor Sean Riley obviously yeah. has been a big part of this for a right. long time as well. Yeah, and you know we should also mention too that you know when they had this ribbon cutting for the pumping station. Um, there were a number of dignitaries that uh, were were there, including uh, Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson, um, and the the mayors uh, from Waukesha and Milwaukee did a toast uh, and had the first sip of <laughs> of water. So uh, you know, it, it's not only is this a, a change for Waukesha. Obviously, we feel it, you know, when we go to our tap and we when we drink it. But I mean, it really is a change for this whole region because it does impact everyone. And I've been trying to get that through in my reporting. Uh, on this because it's not just a Waukesha issue, right? This is a, a, a Great Lakes issue. This is this is something that people in Milwaukee should be paying attention to because you're drinking that water too. That's a perfect time for us to say, let's go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And of course, here to ask us that question is Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. Oh, hi. Um, Let me just say that every morning we have an editorial meeting where we all get together and talk about stories that we're going to cover for the day. Um, Sometimes our assistant news director, Brian, poses a question that is just like a little icebreaker question. That man stole my question. Today? For today. I know you all weren't in the meeting, but Brett was. So here we are. Um, So so this seems like a repeat. So we just got a press release yesterday that talks about um, new data that talks about the top like 10 most popular candies. Now, this was Halloween of 2022. So new year, new us, right? Um, however, my love of candy corn, it's coming oh, this through. Is a candy it was, corn question? No, it's not a candy corn question, okay. but candy corn was number one, followed by like gummy bears. Wait, which wait, what? wait, wait, wait. How? Candy corn is the number one favorite? That's what it says. What? Candy corn is still the Who king of Halloween asking? candies. Uh, me. They asked me. <laughs> That's <laughs> Study your, of your one. Favorite? I, I want to know. The yeah. candy corn I, lab, you must have some power. Yeah, I'm telling you. I don't understand this. So, so okay. Brett's so the question, question. Yeah. So, well, the question is, what is the best? If you have a Halloween jug of candy or whatever, what are you digging for? What are you eating? And maybe like, what are you leaving off to the side? Okay, so for open record, like you know, aficionados who Forever. go way back, we did talk about this a few years ago, yes. and and I think everyone will, if anyone knows me well, or if you're a big fan of the podcast, all three of you, uh, <laughs> one's th- your mom. Th- you know, you know that for me, it's it's probably Snickers. I yeah. mean, Snickers is number one, but the other one that I think is like, if you could have the, a bunch of these mini candy bars, I'm not Milky Way is oh, eh, it's okay. I mean, eh, I could take it or leave it, but if you've got Snickers and hundred grand. Oh, those yeah. two. Yeah, but how much time in your day do you have to eat a hundred gram? Bar? Dude, it's so good. Don't hate on oh, the hundred It is grams. really good, but it takes forever to chew. <laughs> I will, I, I will take as long as it takes to eat that hundred gram. Okay, no, but Brett. Snickers hundred oh, gram yes. and then maybe Butterfinger. If you had that mix in a bowl, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm happy. Okay, Brett, I know what you answered, but answer it again yeah. and then elaborate. Any Reese's Reese's peanut butter cups? My goodness, uh, those uh, my, those right to them in the bag, but. I hate candy corn. I'm. I, I Amen. Never liked it. Never. Have you ever mixed it with peanuts, like roasted peanuts? See, see oh. this is the thing. People always no. talk about. Well, it's really good in a mix. No, and the stop. Thing is, when, stop. No, no, no. I can eat it straight. When I hear about what people want to mix it with, they go, "Well, mix it with peanuts and maybe throw in some M and M's." And at a certain point, I go, "If you do all of that, 
and just take out the candy corn, <laughs> outstanding. See, I, I'm not so, opposed to candy corn. I won't search it out, but if there's a bowl there, I'm going to eat some. Yeah. It just seems to me like it's just, all it is is just tightly packed, condensed it sugar. It is. You're right. That looks cute. It's I mean, so that's cute. any candy, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, it's, it's kind of like cotton candy, but cotton candy is a loose version of it. If you just pack cotton candy together and you get that crystallized, whatever it is, yeah. that's all. Uh, candy corn is kind of that, right? Uh, you're not I wrong. Think. I don't hate it. And I think maybe I like it more because everyone else hates it. <laughs> so I want to like, <laughs> I want to be like candy corn stan account here. So, okay. Anyway, I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't like, I don't judge you for liking candy you corn. you do it, that's fine. No, I just, I, for me, I, if I saw a bowl of candy corn, I would very easily go, eh. No. Oh, okay. So it's all yours. Well, you know what? Okay. Sarah, you got to come and, and uh, flush it down with a, a glass of Waukesha, Waukesha water. Waukesha water. <laughs> so well, good. It, you know, it might taste better with the, the chloramides or it's whatever those are called. I don't know if that maybe it's, affects the flavor it's well it's like when you pair wine <laughs> with chocolate it's like what walk or what water tastes best with halloween yeah. candy so i initially wanted to say twix because i love twix but i i, I feel like i get twix throughout the year the only <laughs> thing that i get around halloween time and, and i'm probably going to be in a minority here but is almond joy I love I know, almond joy. That's got coconut in you. Well, yes. coconut. On the coconut. And that's the only time I ever see the little mini, you know, little mini versions of almond joy, and I'm gonna eat all of them. Cool, because I'm leaving them. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I so I like all all the things I talk about have chocolate, and they're the little chocolate bars. I think in, in Reese's again, all of those are like that's like top shelf a level. Yeah. That's tier one. <laughs> But the next tier, and I think it's good to have mixed in, is like Smarties. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. That is one I'm definitely leaving. If if they're in a bowl, I'm leaving. I'll Smarties. I don't want just Smarties, but I love those things. Yeah, when when you mix Smarties with some nuts and (laughs) some other stuff, and it's just fine. No, I grew up in the era of Pac-Man. And so as a kid, to me, I thought those were like, the Smarties were like the power pellets. Oh. That's, you know, that was my childhood I used to pretend they were medicine. (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't. Oh, my God. Do you guys remember the little sugar dots? Yeah, on the paper. On the paper. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they're back. You can you find them at like really? yeah, a lot of a retro candy, candy stores. Yeah. You'll find those. Yeah. My kids but, like them. But, but the made problem with paper. that is you always end up getting a little bit of paper. <laughs> a paper. Yeah. With, with that, and I that's mm. you know maybe not so okay. good. Well. <laughs> well, okay. Now we know. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we know that uh, we we uh, Brett and I. Uh, we're leaning toward the chocolatey, like the, the, the whatever, and you've got your candy corn. It's fine. But nobody likes the Smarties, so bring your Smarties <laughs> my way. I'll take them. Brett, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and thank you for all of your reporting on this topic. Obviously, you have kept viewers up to speed on everything that's happening, and I'm sure you're probably not done, but thanks again for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record, a favorite Halloween candy you'd like us to, t- uh, to like to tell us about, to eat, taste or an test. issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, like why Sarah likes such a horrible <laughs> candy, send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer, manning the video switcher, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. 